Alrighty then, this is episode 2 of the Give Me Some of That podcast, where I give you some and you take it. I just came up with that intro, I hope you like it. It's episode 2, we're off with a bang, let's go. And, well, the last episode we talked about a routine. Quick one, we talked about how to develop a routine, how to maintain it, how to bounce back. If you ever do, go for a burnout. Recommend it, good watch. But this is episode two, this is something different, this is something completely from the other end of the spectrum. Today we're going to be talking about the COP26. For those who don't know what COP26 is, it's basically a conference of people, countries, which waffle about how they're doing their part to better the environment, reduce carbon footprint, and how they're going to be sustainable in the future. And this, straight from the get-go, is pointless to me. And this is actually one of the things that infuriates me the most because it's really pointless. And we'll get to that. And this is all, I think, my... Well, it's my opinion, but it's also my judgment and my my perspective on how things should be conducted. But furthermore, we shall get to the topics why the COP initiative is ultimately pointless, a country's responsibility, taking action on producing renewable energy and communication to the country's people. Without further ado, people, why the COP initiative is ultimately pointless, and it is ultimately pointless because it's a gathering of several countries to tell people how they're going to solve a problem individually. What the hell? Climate change is a big deal, we get it. But if you're going to set a conference or put something together that you invest so much money in and you're going to talk about how you're going to do it yourself, why? It's essentially a huge meeting. It's a very expensive meeting. With this meeting, or usually with meetings, you get together and you talk about how you're going to solve the, solve the problem together. That's how it's done. It's how you do it in business. It's how you do it in the automotive industry. It's how you do it in industry. I'm pretty sure Facebook does it. You put meetings together to how you're going to solve a problem together. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Essentially, if a country really has interest in pursuing their words, they would have done it anyway beforehand. In the reality, you don't need a meeting to initiate something. If you really want to do it, and you mean it, you just... Do it. There are even ways for you to change things legally, as a country, or government, so that you don't even have to do anything. This can be by simply changing your law to allow solar panels to be built on new houses. But recently, houses now have to have the option to charge a car, or have a charge station, wherever it is. What? Solar panels? No? Self, you know, being self-sufficient? Is that, is that too much to ask? There are ways around it, and we're going to discuss it in today's podcast. Now, as I said, boy, oh boy, in a meeting, you talk about collaborating together to solve a problem, and you solve the issue together. Issue is quite a, you know, it's quite a soft word. We have an issue. No, we have, we have a problem, ladies and gentlemen. We have a problem. Climate change, global warming, newsflash, it's a thing. All right? Trump told you wrong. He did you dirty. Now, here we go. We have Australia has a coal mining issue. And it's big. It's a big part of their income, national income, in fact. But they have a trusted client, their na- their their northern neighbour, China. 
the big sea. And you have the UK, which is a tiny island on the brink of overpopulation and congestion, which has already have had issues with France over fishing rights. You're an island. You fish. What the hell? It's... It just doesn't make any sense. You're 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 a lone wolf in the in this place. You've le- you've recently got Brexit, so that that doesn't make you any life for you any easier. So what's going on? Okay, well now they got now that I got that out of my system, I'm gonna touch on living in the UK for a moment. It's uh I live in the UK, got the accent, got the that's it. Well anyway, I live in the UK and I see things. But, you know they're progressing. It's great. We have got new houses. But they're built on top of each other. Literally. If I compare this to my origin, Portugal, flats happen to be a lot more common. But for some reason, people in the UK, they look down on flats for some reason. But when you call them apartments, uh, it's it's a different story. But there's a reason why people call it apartments. Even British people do it. The quality and the size of them, it's just so attractive. You walk into your house in the UK... 250 grand that's how much the average house costs here in the uk now you have three bedrooms a loft and maybe a garage with one parking space fantastic and your house is literally made out of recycled cardboard and human spit it might as well they break down you you look at the wall and and it's falling on you it's they're, they're pretty bad quality however in portugal you have exactly that but you live in a flat except you don't have an upstairs the quality of the choice of materials are fantastic. Even in fact, the best way to put it, imagine a supersized UK bungalow. The kitchens are huge. The rooms are bigger than in the UK. They have the latest materials to suit their climate purposes, which is heat. And their parking is an underground locked garage. And everyone in the block has a huge room on top. like It's like a loft to keep their stuff they want out of sight. What, what's the issue with that? Oh, and if, you, if you're worried about getting up the stairs, of course, you've got an elevator, sometimes two. But then, if, again, if you're worried about the garden, modern Portugal flats actually have a pool. And they have a huge garden space with lawn chairs and umbrellas, with tables, and people clean them for you. Some people buy their houses, some people rent. The people who rent, they feed money back into the organisation. The organisation plays cleaners. But a beam, but a boom, you have clean space. Now, people don't realise that a house is actually just a waste of space. It's a luxury that you're accustomed to. It's nice to have a house. I agree. I want one. But it's actually unnecessary in the grand schemes of things if we just look at the bigger picture. Not everyone needs a house. We want a house because it's culture, it's tradition, it's it's what it is in the UK. And in fact, they they were huge and now they're getting smaller. They're tiny. You you look at a house nowadays, your your next door neighbor might might as well be your roommate. To be frank, just poor old John. He's gonna be looking at you through the window. Damn, he's gonna be able he's gonna be able to hear every move you make. Well, you you know what I mean. You know what I mean. We don't want that happening. But anyway, back to the topic of conversation. The UK is a tiny island with a lack of resources. Now, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but you can say the UK could fish, but it's not as popular as meat, such as beef, pork, chicken. But as I mentioned, to make matters worse, you have the UK and France fighting over fishing rights all the time. Even in the COP26, they went, they went for weeks. 
talked about this even before this they went on for it it's they were they were trying to milk this thing they wouldn't stop we can't even come to an agreement with the fact that you're a lone wolf and you've got to try and find resources you either import it or you'd find it yourself clearly finding yourself isn't a viable option if you're fighting over it with your neighboring country france you know they got baguettes thrown at you what's going on you got you can eat the baguettes but you can't eat the fish you need the proats you need the proteins you know, what's going on so it's not on it. And to be fair, the, t- the UK actually to stick, needs to take a step forward. And this is where I go on to the next conversation, topic, a country responsibility. And oh my God. Mm, mm, mm. Now this is my favorite topic, most possibly, because I, in the script, in my writing, I invested a lot of time into this. God Almighty, a government's responsibility is to guide a country to succeed financially for its people's well-being, happiness and security. Not only for its people, but for the well-being, happiness and security of planet Earth too. Ladies and gentlemen, I gave it to you. That's it. That's all, folks. There you go. That's what the UK needs to do. That's what every government needs to do. Alright? And this is a people's responsibility as well. We are part of this country. We just need to be offered the opportunity. Now, this is where I get to talking about responsibility. And I repeat responsibility because we are held accountable for our decisions and we have our impact on the planet. However, it's the government's responsibility to offer the infrastructure and the opportunity for its people to feel safe for making these decisions. Now, I'm going to give you an example, which I am well educated in. Electric cars are now... Openly available at a range of price ranges. Well, I said range twice, but a range of prices. But not enough to reach all audiences. But it's enough. The 12K electric car, it's not It's not there yet. But you still see people buying petrol and hybrid cars. And why is this? P- part of it being its personal preference. But another part being the fact that the house in the UK are small. People park in the streets. There are no charging points where they live. And there is little to no charging stations in shopping centres. Or anywhere else for that matter. Let's put it into perspective. 2030 is shy of 8 years ago. It's eight. It's shy of 8 years away. And a construction plan like that takes months to plan and execute. Maybe years. God damn. I, okay, I gave you a problem. And now I'm going to give you a solution. The solution is to be upgrade the country's infrastructure. Easy as that. I want to see charging stations everywhere. There is a population of 36 million people and there are 8,380 petrol stations. And the average time people stop to, to put petrol in their car is 3.5 minutes. Now, here we go. you got people waiting 3.5 minutes to put petrol, but people do their shopping every week and they take about, let's say, 20 minutes, maybe uh, over an hour. Two hours, three hours, depending on what shopping centre you go to. You probably like to enjoy yourself. And why can't you charge your car then? If you don't have a place to charge it at your house. Now, you could say you have to wait for our cars to charge. But again, I'll get to that. And really, people's issue is range anxiety. And they're worried that they can't just die and turn off like their iPhone. That's happened before, and in fact, they use generators to charge the car enough to get to the nearest charging station. Just very counterintuitive, but hey. So, how do we approach this issue, the charging stations? 
or I'll get people to buy more electric cars. We start backwards. We give people the opportunity to feel comfortable wherever they go, and they will buy electric cars. The matter of the fact is, people don't need a £2.5,000 incentive to buy things. I see people or leasing... Sorry, I see people buying or leasing £45,000 cars. And I can tell you now, they do not care about that 2.5k. It's nice to have it if you're at the lower end of the spectrum. But ultimately, you're, you're not buying an electric car because you saved 2.5k. You could do that with a used Ford Fiesta. You're doing it because you're trying to maybe support the cause. And you're, try, and you're choosing to make the modern route. Now, what about the charging? As long as the charger stations and the electrical infrastructure is ready to be upgraded, or in other words, future-proofed, there will be a decrease in charge time and an increase in natural sense incentive for internal combustion engines to be bought less regularly and mass-produced a lot less. Because the money that feeds into this car, they see the demand for it. Oh, we're going to increase our research budget. Here we go. But a big but a boom, 50% more budget means more output. Cash is king, we know that. Okay. So what about the energy? Where where do the where does the energy come from? And this is where we do a segue to taking action on producing renewable energy. Now, I've said this about the last two topics, but this is where I get frustrated the most as well. This whole topic is a huge frustration for me. And I've been saying this for the past four to five years and people shrug it off and people don't look at it this way. The reality of it is each household should be self-sufficient. And what I really mean is all new houses built need to have included solar panels. The buyer must then have the option to buy these or if they wish, they may not. They can do it later. Now, to a housing agency, if you rent this, you're making a win. You're making money off something you didn't even someone didn't even buy you put it there but the the money's coming in it's it's yours let's say we make 6p per kilowatt hour or they make 6p per kilowatt hour who wouldn't want that if they had 30,000 houses and they all produce an average of 6p per kilowatt hour and the average household consumes 3,760 kilowatt hours that's a sum of 3,768,000 pounds or £225 per household. Of course, I'm being very linear with this. You'd, you'd only use so many, you'd only use so much uh, energy because you'd be using it and then selling it and so on and so forth. But that is how much... What It's phenomenal. £225 per household and three shy of £4 million a year. It just doesn't make sense. Financially, it just doesn't make sense. And... Again, I'm being very linear with this, but I'm giving you a perspective on what is possible, just a little simple law of enforcement. Give them solar panels. If they want them, they can buy it. If they don't, they don't. Easy as that. Okay, and again, boys, ladies, men, women, other genders. Eight years ago, I started secondary school. Eight years is two prime minister terms. And God Damn, and eight years ago, Disney's Frozen came out. The reality of it is, countries need a leader leading and taking responsibility. Not dodging the problem and that's asked to them. And then you'll just talk about, oh shit, we're going we're gonna to do this, that. We're not going to 
you know, you're going around in loops, you're, oh man, just get to the point, yes or no. Again, 2030 is eight years away. Eight years ago, I started secondary school, and eight years is two prime minister terms, and eight years ago, Disney's Frozen came out. Ultimately, countries need a leader, leading and taking responsibility, not dodging the problem and, and the answer when you asked about it in front of the globe. You need to talk to your country, you need to talk to the world how you're going to solve this issue together. This is something that is a we problem, not an I problem. Now, next topic of conversation. Communication to the country's people. Boy, oh boy. Recently I've been hearing some adverts. They've been saying, We all love chocolate, but we love our planet. So let's make the difference. In a nutshell, their initiative is great. What they're basically saying is, get a grip and do your part. Now, I'm not forcing anyone or telling anyone what to do. Uh, but when the opportunity to change the world is there, you, know, you do it. It's, it's your world too. Don't forget that. But the thing is, majority of people want to do something about climate change. It's just they don't do it because they have no option. People are individuals and have places to be. Trains are too expensive. Buses are too crowded. They're hot and slow. And electric scooters are illegal to own in the UK. HS2 has been delayed for several, several years and times. We're never going to see the end of it. A high-speed rail that's supposed to take you from Birmingham to London in X amount of time. It's, you're not going to see that. Not, not soon, anyway. The government talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. It's all talk. If not all of it, most of it. If a politician is listening, you, my friend, tell your friend Bojo to get hold of his country and provide people with a direct, simple source of information which they can take and not make any interpretation from. It's a yes or no. Can I buy an electric scooter? Yes or no. They go around... In circles, wasting my time, your time, and the time which can be spent talking about someone who owns a business and trying to make a difference. They want to talk about the government's best interest to get it done by 2030. No, that's wrong. It has no pressure. 2030 is eight years away. Eight years away, I'll see it frozen four. No, get it done in three years. It most certainly won't happen, but at least the extra 20% gets up to about 2030 goal it's just it's just the way it is god damn there's no pressure you need to you need to put a pressure if you're building if you're budgeting for a house it's common to sum the 25 percent because of the unexpected costs and that's the way it is but we need to this uh oh boy this cop 26 it's been a mouthful i've been watching it here and there and uh, i'm not i'm not impressed i i see australia i see america i see brazil i see india uh, UK, I saw the I see all these countries talking, off the Belarus and migrants, whatever's going on. It's just, it's uh, it's disappointing and it's really sad to see that countries are not working together when they should be, and countries who go up on stage and talk about how they're going to solve the issue, not how we are going to solve the issue. It's a uh, it's a big problem. In a country, you need trust, and by God's name, I have not seen any politician show any sign of confidence in what they say. It's all 
from their advisors. It's all, it's, it's all it is. It's just mouth. It's no... It's, uh, I'd like to see it all happen. I want to be able to listen back on this in eight years and prove myself wrong. Because, God damn, I do not see it happening. From what I know, from my experience and what I've done, there is no way I could see this happening. Oh, eight years? Two, maybe another prime minister's time? Maybe two prime ministers? Maybe three, god damn. Theresa May stepped down. (laughs) That's another conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's we're going to leave it there. It's been definitely an eventful conversation to myself and to you, all of you. Thank you for listening and uh, take it all in. There are ways to develop and improve this country's well-being and uh, the planet's well-being. Congestion, you'll go with time until there's a solution. Well, we'll see it come. But thank you very much. This is the Give Me Some of That podcast, hosted by yours truly, Carlos Faria. Handles, you know where it is, at GMSOT, Give Me Some of That podcast. Let's get it. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, 